The 630 Chad Afternoon News with Jaylen Nye. Weekdays at 2 on 630 Chad. Health Canada has approved the use of a device. It's the size of a coffee cup that could be a game changer for testing for COVID-19. It's called the Spartan Cube from Ottawa Spartan Bioscience. It produces results in less than an hour. The Alberta government, as I mentioned, has ordered 100,000 of them to find out more. We're joined by Dr. Colin Furness, an infection control epidemiologist at the University of Toronto. Doctor, welcome to the show. Good afternoon. Now, this is good news. Tell us why more testing is so important when it comes to COVID-19. I would say it's not really necessarily more testing, but the fact that it could be done very quickly. If we want to imagine what normal life will look like again, we really need to think about travel. We need to think about people coming in to cities, coming into provinces, landing in airports, and how we're going to handle that. So you can imagine a new normal where you go check-in at the airport, you check in your bag, you get your boarding pass, you go through security, you get a test, and then you get on your airplane. So I think that that's, I think, the biggest thing is not just more testing, but rapid. Uh, is, the, is the rapid testing. Um, and and I, I've got to think it's going to, be, um, it's going to be useful in places where it's more difficult to get to the hospital, some more of the remote locations, that sort of thing. This has got to be good news for, for those areas. Well, that's a very good point. Um, we tend to focus more on large uh, cities where there's lots of people living in close quarters, but COVID-19 is going everywhere. And that's a very good point that if we can actually have all the testing be very mobile, mobile, uh, very easy to carry around, then we could imagine a remote areas being able to have access to that too. There has been uh, some concern about rapid testing in some European countries. Do you know much about that and, and why the concern was there and maybe, you know, is that concern, should we worry about it here? Well, the, the standard testing, which is called PCR, takes a while. It takes a day, uh, depending on the lab. And rapid testing has this promise of being able to speed that up. But with any kind of new testing, you need to be concerned about how accurate the tests are. Mm. Because a test that, a test that actually um, you know, makes mistakes, and there's two kinds of mistakes it can make, um, could actually cause trouble. So the first mistake is telling you you're sick when you're not. Mm. And that obviously would be upsetting the people and and a nuisance it's not a public health danger telling people that they are fine when they are not is more worrisome so those are the two kinds of mistakes and spartan has received this uh, this approval but i have not seen any data around those two kinds it's called sensitivity and specificity so those two measures no test is perfect and i would really like to see those numbers Doctor, I, I was reading that this new device uses a, a throat swab, while most COVID-19 tests, I, I, from what I understand, are using a long swab in the nose. Does where they're testing from um, matter, or is there any concern around that, nose or throat? I doubt that's actually been studied for this virus. Okay. I don't, I'm not aware that it has. Um, I would prefer throat to nose uh, myself. I'm not a microbiologist, so with that caveat, yeah. the reason I say that is the throat is closer to the chest. So I think if you're if you if you want to be as close to where the virus is going to be causing most mischief, a throat swab would be better. But I don't have I don't have any knowledge that that there is a big difference either way. When it comes to contact 
tracing, and this is something that I've always I've wanted to dive into a little bit more over the past uh, few weeks and haven't had the opportunity uh, to it. And of course, contact tracing involves retracing the steps of, co- of a COVID-19 patient and then tracking down anyone who may have had contact with them. There's a, a lot of folks out there that saying that we need to be doing more of that and need to do a better job of it. Um, can I ask your opinion of that? Well, contact tracing is one of the most important uh, strategies for dealing with infectious disease spread. However, what we have now is what I call, or what is called an asymptomatic pandemic. That is to say that people could be, have no idea they're sick and be spreading this around. And so that makes contact tracing much, much less effective because the thing with contact tracing is until you've got symptoms, you don't necessarily have any idea who you're in contact with. Mm. It's also a very laborious process. And we have so many cases. We have so many patients. We have so many people to talk to. There does not exist enough public health staff to be able to actually do that very painstaking contact of of multiple. I mean, you could have dozens of people to contact from one person. Uh, It can be worse than that if they're on a big bus or or, and so on and so forth. So contact tracing is great, but this virus has outwitted us all. And I think we're Uh past where we're able to do that effectively. How do you think that um, Canadians have handled this so far? I mean, in some provinces, it seems that we're seeing a better job of maybe starting to flatten that curve uh, a little bit. And some of the other provinces have a little bit more difficulty. But how would you how would you rank it if you took a took a look at what's been going across going on across country? Well, I, I say first of all, let's compare Canada to other countries, and I think we're doing an amazing job. I think we really are. We got lucky in a lot of ways. That is to how say, so? we had a little bit more. Well, we had more lead time. We had more time to see what was going on and process that and then react. So I think that's really important. Um, And as far as our different experiences within different provinces in Canada, they're converging now. The curve is flattening. There's no question the curve is flattening in all provinces. Uh, That is fantastic news. Um, the, The narrative has been different in each place. Quebec got hammered pretty hard. They were less fortunate. It's they, they've been working very, very hard, and they've actually, they've been, I think, doing a bang-up job from what I've been told. Um, but they got inoculated early. In other words, they had a lot of virus coming into Quebec, perhaps because March break was a week earlier. So that's, that, right. that's unfortunate timing. But the curve is going in the same direction across the board, and that's because enough Canadians are heeding the call and, and taking care and being safe. And I think that's fantastic to see. I don't point to, I can't point to a country that's doing a better job, to be honest. Dr. Furness, you've been tracking this with, with some of your own numbers. I'm going to maybe put you on the spot here, and if you're uncomfortable with answering it, that's fine. But I'm just wondering, you know, what does what what does this look like a month from now or two months from now in this country? Well, it's it, the farther out we try and project, and you're asking for a long projection, the, the less certain we can be. So with, with a caveat that this is speculation, and, and only speculation, because mm-hmm. I don't have access to anything that, that other epidemiologists don't. Um, I would say that April is still, the numbers are going to be mind-boggling in April, because even though we're flattening the curve, we're still doubling. Every nine days now, we're doubling. And there's still a lot of April left. So those numbers are going to get big. And the mortalities start to catch up. They lag for a while. So we're going to see every day there's more people who have died and there's more cases. And that's going to feel awful. And that's April. Mm. In May, I'm expecting, as long as people are able to keep it up, and, and I would argue that we should have tighter restrictions in the short term in order to speed this 
this up. I'm going to I'm going to forecast that May is going to seem like a really good news month. Things are going to start diminishing. We can start to talk about how we're going to handle travel. We can start to talk about how to get some people back at work. I think by June we'll get more people back at work. And if we don't have any other upsets, that is to say everything goes according to the way I've seen it go, we might have a kind of a new normal. That is people really being able to socialize again, say for Canada Day. Doctor, you know what? Oftentimes on my text line, I see my listeners, uh, some of them try to compare COVID to um, things like the flu or COVID to something like SARS and say, you know, we didn't do anything like this with them. So why are we doing it here? What is making COVID-19 such a successful, for lack of a better word, virus infection? What is it? I use the same language. It's a successful virus. SARS was a clumsy virus. SARS will only spread when you're already showing symptoms. And it, it mostly spreads straight person to person. Part of that is because it, mm-hmm. it arrived in winter. And it's, it was easy to, once we knew what it was, the problem with SARS is no one knew what it was. They had no idea what it was. And that's what was scary. Once we figured that out, it, it, it posed very little challenge. And, and it's extinct. Influenza is, well, it's kind of like an old nemesis. And it does actually kill a lot of people every year. Yeah. Should we be doing more for influenza? Absolutely. I think it's it's amazing to me the blind spot that we have with regards to how, how lethal that is. But COVID is different. It's a very different customer. It's able to spread asymptomatically, which means it can go everywhere before you know it. When we were getting people back from Asia into Canada and they were being quarantined in Trenton and we saw them on buses and in hotels, we thought we were on top of this. And at that same time, we now know there was community spread in New York City. So this yeah. virus is way faster than us. It also has, it can have a pretty high case fatality rate. It's been different in different places. We're not sure why that is yet. But it can be more lethal than SARS, even though it typically doesn't seem to be. So it's doing those things. And the other thing that really makes me lose sleep, and I think I worry the most about this, is, um, is COVID seems to be able to jump between species very easily. We're not used to seeing that. We have seen cats get infected. We've seen dogs get infected. We've seen zoo animals get infected. That means that um, there's going to be far more likelihood that it's just going to be endemic. It's just going to be around. This virus is that adaptable. That's rare and disquieting. So this is a very different customer and a much more frightening one. And so until we get a vaccine... <laughs> and we do, and and we need that vaccine, but that vaccine could still be ages off. We're going to be dealing well, with this for some time. Yeah, it's it's. There's already trials going on for one vaccine, but that doesn't mean that that vaccine is going to be particularly effective. So there's been there's multiple international efforts to develop new ones. Vaccine development is faster than it's ever been, but human safety trials are really important. And I would That's argue right. that introducing a vaccine that ends up being unsafe would be a public health disaster far beyond COVID. So I, I think it's important that we take the time that we need to get a vaccine that is not only effective, but also safe for everybody. So that's, I think that's really important. Uh, in the shorter run, antiviral drugs. If we had antiviral drugs that would make it so that no one died, I think this would change the complexion of our situation a lot. And that's likely uh, to happen sooner. So that's what I'm yeah. hoping for in the shorter term. And Dr. Furness, I want to thank you for joining me this afternoon for uh, your perspective on this. I appreciate your time and I, I would look forward to talking to you again sometime down the line. My pleasure. I'd be happy to come back. Uh, thank you so much.